there's something special about something new. Uh, for instance, if you get a, a new car, you may be one of those people who never washes your car, you never sweep it out on the inside, and it fills up with trash. But when you got a new car, at least initially when it's new, you want to keep it washed and shined, you want to keep the inside spick and span. It's something new, something about something new that motivates us that way. If you get new clothes, if you've got a, a, a new uh, article of clothing, just to wear that something new makes you feel different, a little special, got something new. Cindy got a new cooking appliance uh, for, for the holidays, and, and she is thrilled to be searching for new recipes. I may be the benefactor of that, uh, a beneficiary of that uh, before all is said and done, but just the idea of something new, something new to use, to do. Well, of course, this is the new year. This is the last day of 2017. Tomorrow's the first day of 2018. And it just seems that there's something about that new year. Every year, uh, it, it really serves as a time. It motivates us to, to pause, to ponder, to plan, to prepare for what's coming up. And so I think it's advantageous for us to use that motivation to speak especially about spiritual things. Our emphasis in life ought to be on spiritual matters and to use this special time of the year to, to think and to ponder and to, to plan how we want to act in the, in the coming 12 months is a very beneficial thing. So we're just going to do that for a few moments this morning in our lesson. Nothing new here, nothing earth-shattering, but just an encouragement for us that we might make this a really happy new year in the truest sense and most important sense in the sense of serving God faithfully. We stop here for just a minute to say thanks to all who are present. We're glad that you're here. We have a, a number of visitors with us this morning. We're grateful that you've come our way. We hope you'll come back just every time you have a chance to be here. And we would encourage you to make this the, the first of a coming 52 weeks of being here. We'll talk a little bit about that in our lesson, but uh, we hope if you're visiting with us, you'll come again and again. We hope that you'll come all the time. We're glad to have you with us this morning. Let's talk about some challenges that will make this a happy year for us, especially in God's service, and that's what matters most of all. Let me suggest to you one of the things that I think all of us can and should do is spend more time in prayer. In the coming year, absolutely do not let a day begin or end without spending some time in prayer. It's so easy for us to get busy, to get wrapped up in the mundane affairs of day-to-day -day living that we let it crowd prayer out of our schedule. Don't let that happen. Make a commitment right now. Every day before I get going good, I'm going to stop and pray to God. And every night when I lay my head on the pillow, I'm going to say a prayer to God. And I'm not going to let a day, not a single day this year pass without doing that. But, of course, prayer throughout the day, not just morning and evening, but throughout the day is beneficial. Throughout the day, petition God for help and strength. And by all means, do not wait for a crisis to crop up before you spend time in prayer. A lot of people are that way. Many people of the world are that way. They don't even think about praying until there's some crisis situation. And they use prayer like a panic button. Let's not do that. Let's pray regularly and consistently. You know the very simple statement of 1 Thessalonians 5:17: pray without ceasing. That's not just an encouragement or a recommendation. That's actually a command to us. Pray without ceasing. 
So as these days coming unfold, remember you're under command to pray without ceasing. And as the old commercial used to say, just do it. Just do that. Pray without ceasing. In the, in the reading that Joel read for us just a few moments ago from Hebrews chapter 4, uh, it's really a stunning thing to think about the fact that we have this privilege of prayer. As, as the children of God, we're privileged to approach Him in prayer. Hebrews 4, beginning verse 14, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. This is amazing right here. Come boldly into the throne of grace. This is, this is God. This is God's throne. And he's inviting us to have open access to his throne. Come, come boldly, come boldly into the throne of grace. That's amazing. We ought to take advantage of that privilege. Think of it this way, maybe. What if you were granted an invitation to go to the Oval Office and speak to the President of the United States? Would you say, uh, you know, I got stuff to do. I'm too busy. I, I just can't take time out of my schedule to, to, to take advantage of that privilege. Oh, no, I think we'd be blown away, wouldn't we? This is the President of the United States. We have a chance to be in the very presence of the President of the United States, in the Oval Office, after all. Well, that'd be great. I suppose that'd be awesome. I, I, but we're not going to get that. There's not a person here. I, I'm, I'm willing to make the prediction. There's not a person here who will ever have that privilege. But this is even better than that. This is, in fact, this is off the chart more than that. This is to be in the presence of God before his very throne through prayer. We've got to take advantage of that. And so I would encourage us all as Christians to make prayer a priority for the whole year. Make it a priority for the whole year. Start, if you've not been doing it consistently, if you've not been praying regularly every day, make a commitment to do that. Do it every year. I want to tell you, it will make a difference. The year will be better through prayer. We need to pray. Let me suggest also that we need to study our Bibles more consistently. Um, daily, we, we make this daily Bible reading calendar. How many years, Arthur? I, the 16th year that we've put out a daily Bible reading calendar. And it helps you with reading the Bible on a consistent basis. I really like the schedule, that, the, the calendar that we put out because uh, it, it's, it's manageable. There's, every week there's five daily assignments. But obviously every week has seven days. So what that's telling you is if you get behind a little bit, you've got a couple of days every week to catch up. Don't get too far behind. You'll get discouraged and you'll drop out. But uh, use a schedule like that. You don't have to use that schedule. Make up your own schedule. Use some other plan. But the fact of the matter is we need to devote ourselves to studying God's Word. In First Timothy chapter 4, verse 13, it says, Give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. We need to give attention to that sort of thing. I think clearly here in, the, in this text, when Paul was writing to Timothy, this, this was an encouragement toward devoting him to public reading of the Scriptures. Um, most commentators will tell you that's what is under consideration here. And the reason why that was especially important is because people didn't have their own personal copies of the Bible. 
And so it was very important when they gathered together for the few copies that they had, that they, they devoted themselves to reading, public readings of the Scripture. Very important. Paul says, give attendance to that. Don't neglect that. What about us? We've got Bibles. We've got them readily, freely available to us. Multiple copies. you probably got one in every room of your house. I wouldn't doubt that a lot of people do have. You can put your hands on a Bible at any time. Do it. Give attendance to reading. And make it an in-depth study of, of the Word of God. I think one of the dangers we face is, well, I'm just going to get through this. I'm going to, I'm going to read through it just as fast as I can, just so I can say I did it and I can check it off. No. Make it more in-depth than that. And, and, and after you've read a section, spend at least a, a little bit of time thinking about personal application of what you've read. Uh, someone has suggested that we need to read the Bible like we read a letter from a loved one. Well, if you got a letter from a loved one, how would you read it? Just peruse through it as fast as you could, then throw it aside and forget about it? No, if it was from a loved one, you'd spend time reading it, reading it carefully, reading it and reading it over again carefully, trying to get all the shades of meaning that you could get out of this letter from a loved one. And it's been suggested that's the way that we need to read God's Word. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, it says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. This word study right here, in newer versions will probably be, if you're reading a newer translation, probably translates like, uh, something like give diligence or be diligent to show thyself approved unto God. Uh, but it does talk about rightly dividing the word of truth. And so clearly in, in consideration here is the use of the word. So I'm willing to say that study is a part of that diligence that we ought to apply in showing ourselves uh, a workman approved of God and not needing to be ashamed. We're giving diligence. And part of that diligence is literal study of the Word and handling it aright uh, as we serve God. And, and so I, I would just encourage you to spend more time with your Bibles this year. We can all do that. And it's going to make a better New Year. Our New Year will be happier as a result of that uh, if we will. Let me really urge us all to attend every Bible class and worship service. I notice I misspelled worship. Uh, just now, so, uh, every Bible study and worship service in this new year. Um, I want to encourage everybody to make a decision right now. The, the danger of not being committed to faithful attendance is, you know, uh, I don't know, when, it's Wednesday night. Should we go or should we not go? It, it, it's Sunday evening. Should we? What do you think? Should we go to church tonight or not? I'll tell you, if, you, if you're like that, a lot of times things are going to come up that will keep you from being here. And therefore, what you need to do is make the commitment right now. Don't wait till each service time comes up to decide whether you're going to go or not. Make the decision, I'm going to go. I'm going. I'm going. That's the decision we need to make. And, and that way it will keep minor things from distracting us and keeping us away. It's really concerning when you see that sometimes Christians will allow minor things to keep them from the worship service that do, do not keep them from going to work consistently, do not keep them from going shopping when they want to go shopping. The same things that they, they work through for other occasions, they will not work through for worship. Don't let that happen. You know the verse, you know it by heart. 
Hebrews 10.25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Go back to that idea of being invited into the very presence of God. We were talking earlier about prayer, but as we come together and worship, think about that too. But what if a, what if a loved one invited you to come to, to their house, uh, but you planned and even purposefully chose not to go? What kind of a message do you think that would convey to a loved one? You were invited, you were invited to enjoy this opportunity, but you chose not to. You chose to do something else. Uh, I'll tell you, that wouldn't go over very well, would it? We've got to think about that in terms of how it goes over with God when we are invited to come together to worship Him, to honor and glorify Him by our worship. But we choose not to do that. And so, again, a priority, a challenge for the new year. Making make an effort to be here for every worship service in the new year. I want to tell you, if you do that for a whole year, if you make that commitment for a whole year, you will never look back. You'll never decide to do differently. I, I, I just simply do not think it would be the case that if you committed, I'm going to be there, okay, I'm, I'm deciding right now that as this new year begins, I'm going to be present at all the assemblies. I don't really think it's even possible that at the end of the year, you would say, you know, that just doesn't work for me. I didn't like it. I'm not doing it again. I just can't believe that would happen. If you'll commit yourself to that for this year, for a whole year, and stick with it, at the end of the year you'll say, I never want to do different. That's going to be my regular practice from here on. Attend every Bible class and worship service. Certainly in the new year, a great challenge before us is to teach the lost. You know the Great Commission, Mark 16, beginning verse 15. He said to them, Go ye into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. I think sometimes when we read this huge assignment, go ye into all the world, um, maybe we think only of preaching in distant lands, overseas someplace, in some remote location. Certainly it would include that. There's no doubt about that. But I want to tell you, all the world is also right outside our back door uh, with friends and neighbors and even family members, personal acquaintances, co-workers, people we associate with on a regular basis in our daily activities. That's the world too, right? And those are people that we need to reach and we need to be busy prioritizing that. We need to work at that. Someone says, yeah, but it's hard these days to reach people. People just It's hard to get people who are willing to talk about it. People are sort of antagonistic toward religion in our day and time. And I, I know that that is true. Uh, you may have even experienced some hostility toward what you believe and practice religiously, and that's understandable. But I want to ask you, do you think it's any worse than it was for those early Christians? In Acts chapter 8, beginning verse 1, at that time there was a great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered abroad throughout all the regions of Judea and Samaria. Therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. I think we live in a hard time for the spreading of the gospel. I'm not denying that. But I'll tell you, it doesn't hold a candle to what those early Christians faced, and they did it, and they succeeded, and they spread the gospel throughout all the known world of that day. And it was an amazing thing that they accomplished. 
If they can do that, we can be successful too. Our job is to spread the word, not necessarily to make converts. The converts will have to decide for themselves, but our job is to teach, get the message out there. We need to be busy teaching the lost. I would encourage us all to make that a year-long goal. Uh, and, and more than just sort of a general goal, my general goal is going to be to teach the lost. I think we benefit by actually, in our minds at least, specifying some particular individuals that we really want to reach out to, that we want, you know, to, to uh, I almost hesitate to use the word, but I'll use it anyway, to target these people. These are people I'm going to really work on this year. And I'm going to pray about it, uh, and I'm going to study my Bible so that I'll be better skilled at doing that. I'm going to set an example by being present at all assemblies so that they see that I'm really serious about what I'm doing, and then I'm going to really work on those people. I'm going to try to teach them. Uh, and so, uh, let's make that a goal. You know the math. The math of this is real easy. If every Christian converted just one, at the end of that year, we'd have twice as many. So if all of us who are members here at College View could just reach one person with the gospel, now we may or may not be able to do that because as we said, it's up, to the, it's up to those people to make their decision. But if we're working hard trying to bring just one soul to Christ, if we all did that, this time next year, we couldn't all even fit in here in just one year's time. You know how the math rolls on from that that, you know, in, in, in less than 30 years you could convert the whole world if every Christian did that every year. But let's just talk about this year. Let's work hard to try and teach the lost. Uh, it, it's really important. And then, let me suggest to you that we need to live pure, godly lives. Nothing else matters. Of, of all the things that we talked about, I could spend lots of time in prayer, I could read my Bible, I could be present at every worship assembly. I could try to talk to people. Being a pure, godly life, none of the rest of that's going to work. None of the rest of that will be of any advantage at all. Uh, if people around me see that I don't live what I claim, if the way I talk and the way I act and the way I dress and the places I go and the people that I associate with, if, if it's all wrong, if my example is all wrong, if I'm not living the pure godly life, I am not going to... Nothing else will matter and nothing else will be successful if I'm not committed to living right myself. I believe this clearly starts with our thinking. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, among the Beatitudes, Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart. Notice, for they shall see God. They shall see God. The pure in heart, they will see God. What's the implication there? The implication is if you're not pure in heart, you're not going to see God, right? And so we've got to really be careful here. Uh, th there's a whole new realm of things that Satan has at his disposal to corrupt our minds, to get us thinking on things that we shouldn't be thinking about, to keep us from being pure at heart. Obviously, television and the movies and and crazily, the Internet and all the things that are available through the Internet on our computers and our smartphones. There's just a world of things out there that have the potential to corrupt our thinking, to keep us from being pure at heart. We have got to be pure. You want to see God? When this is all over, do you want to see God? You've got to keep your heart pure. And so this business of living 
pure, godly lives begins with our mind. As we've said so many times, thought precede actions. I've got to think right if I'm going to do right. In James chapter 1, verse 27, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction. Notice, to keep himself unspotted from the world. It's a wicked world. There's a lot of bad stuff out there. You have to consciously keep yourself from being spotted or drawn into the things that the world is doing, the temptations being presented to us consistently. Keep yourself unspotted from the world. In Matthew chapter 15, verse 14, beginning, you know it well, ye are the light of the world. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Think about this. Ye are the light of, how about Columbia? You're the light of Columbia. Let your light shine. Let your light so shine that they may, before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. What do people think of God, of His Son Jesus Christ, of the inspired Word, the Bible? What do they think about the Lord's church based upon what they see of it in me, in you? Uh, That's the way we need to think. We've got to let our light shine. And that's going to take place when we live a pure, godly life. And so what about, you want this happy new year? Is, Is that your intention? The happiest new year will be based upon emphasis on spiritual things. Uh, and, and how this year turns out depends a lot upon your commitment uh, to some real spiritual goals. Obviously, I think we could expand this list. There's more you could add to the list of things that we've suggested this morning, but I hope you will agree with me that all of these are really important. And if we could be successful in achieving just these five priorities, man, we'd have a great year. In the bulletin today, there's some statistics about uh, New Year's resolutions. And uh, studies indicate that about almost 90% of people make some sort of a New Year's resolution. But it's way down around 20% of people who actually follow through and stick with it throughout the year. i got to tell you, we got to be among the 20%. If we're going to have a happy New Year in the service of God, we've got to make the commitment and then we have got to stick with it if we really want to have a truly happy new year in his service. Hope what we've said has been an encouragement to us all as we approach this new year. Again, no new ground here. There's no, no new information, just, just some encouragement for us all. And I need it as bad as anybody. Let's be committed to doing God's will in the new year. We're going to sing a song of invitation. As we sing this song, we'll be asking you to make sure your life is right with God. If you've never obeyed the gospel, If you've never followed that plan that's so simply set forth in God's Word uh, to become a Christian, to be forgiven of past sins, you need to make that decision. Hearing the truth, believe it, repent of your sins, confess your faith in Jesus, be baptized for the remission of sins. If you've not done that, we hope you'll make that decision. If you need more information, if you'd like to study more about what God would have you to do in your life, if you need answers, ask the questions, and we'll do our best to answer them from the Bible. If you're a Christian already, but you realize that this past year hasn't been a very good one and you haven't really been faithfully serving your God, we urge you to come back to him in repentance, confession, and prayer. If we can help, let us know while we stand and sing this song.